0: This is the 411 from 406. My name is Chewy, and I'm joined once again by my brother from another mother, Mr. Pip. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, man, I'm here. So I'm doing fantastic. Things are good, good here, and uh, I'm excited to, to get back into the podcast, not just to be able to do it and, and to get a chance to talk with you, but mostly to cover some new content. We've been pretty Star Wars heavy for the past couple months, and I'm, I'm ready to, to get into some new stuff.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. So we, um, you know, you can go back. You can listen to the archives. Episode seventy-one was our deep dive into Revenge of the Sith, which obviously kind of finished off our prequel review. Which I, I had a really good time doing that. But, uh, but I would agree with you. I am looking forward to, to moving away from a galaxy far, far away and uh, and covering some some new ground. That's not to say that we won't come back to Star Wars because we certainly will. I'm sure. But I'm looking forward to tonight's discussion. This was. This was a topic that I kind of that I threw at you. So I will I will uh, let you tell the audience what we're talking about tonight.
1: Yeah. So to kind of stick with some of the themes that we've had in the past, uh, we decided to go with a another six through 10 episodes. So we did a top five on this topic a while ago. Do you happen to know which one that was off the top of your head? I
0: do. That was episode number 27. So a long time ago in podcast. It was uh, was released uh, on September 22nd, 2020.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, we've been doing it that long? Jesus Christ, that's cool. So, yeah, so the topic tonight is the top six through ten favorite video games of all time. So we're kind of trying to, again, deviate from Star Wars. We've done a lot of wrestling in the recent past, too. So we're kind of going back to some of our roots. I mean, when you and I first met, we were both really heavy into video games. And I probably said this on the last podcast, but I'll go ahead and say it again. One of my first memories of you, my absolute very first memory of you is walking by your dorm room on Teeter Thompson 5 back in Bloomington at IU. And I peeked in your room and you were playing Star Wars chess on your Laptop, and I don't know why, but that memory has cemented itself inside of my brain. That is my very first picture of you in my head. Wow. Is is playing a video game. So I mean, this is this is important, right? This is a big deal.
0: God, I haven't thought about that that Star Wars chess game in, in forever and a day.
1: You remember that?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. I remember it very well. You know, but it's funny that you that you equate video games to, to t5 because I, I guess now that i think about it so do i i mean the, the first the first several weeks of getting to know kind of you know these guys that at this point we've known for decades um some of them we we still you know are in in contact with you know god i, I remember just going from room to room and playing you know, Wolfenstein 3D. And there was a, what was the, the, there was a shoot 'em up game that Buford had.
1: uh, I thought that was, or Doom or Wolfenstein. Well, he had
0: Wolfenstein, but there was some like, like Mad Dog. It was a Western.
1: Oh, that Mad Dog McCree or something like that. Mad Dog McCree, It was one of those CD video games where it had like actual- crappy video footage and yeah oh my gosh yeah yeah that's great and then, that's a good yeah, pull. And, the,
0: and then the 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 duke Nukem's and doom and just all that stuff uh, in fact a uh, little little side note that I, I don't i'm assuming that you knew this so there was i cannot remember the guy's name but he lived at the entire opposite end of the floor from us you know as as far from us as you could live
1: i sort of remember that yeah and For some
0: reason, I wasn't even good friends with the guy. Obviously, I don't remember his name, but for some, he was tripping balls one night. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. And for some reason, I got caught babysitting him (laughs) while he was coming down off his trip. Mm -hmm. And I proceeded to sit there and I played in his room Leisure Suit Larry.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> From
0: beginning to end, I played the entire game while he was sitting there, just tripping balls in in his room.
1: Dude, that's crazy. I've <laughs> never heard that story. You've really? never told that to me, and that's hilarious because Leisure Suit yeah. Larry was was a really raunchy game back yes. before games, you know, had a little bit more. Uh, flexibility to be rated yes. r or well before there was a rating system for, right. for video games right yeah. so that was that was sort of like an underground uh, naughty thing to do when you were a kid but that's hilarious like leisure yeah. suit larry man i have not thought about that game in a minute and,
0: and i and i have to say like th- th- this part of our conversation was not scripted we didn't talk about it at all and i didn't put <laughs> leisure suit larry's not on my list or anything like <laughs> that,
1: <so>. bummer <laughs> that's funny
0: all right, well, so just to kind of set the ground rules the, w- the way we did last time, really, there are no rules. Uh, it, it is PC, <laughs> PC, console, arcade, mobile games, any era, any type of game, basically no restrictions. If it's a video game, it is eligible for this list. And just real quick, you can go back and you can listen to us talk about it on episode 27, but I'll just give you real quick our top fives. My top five was GoldenEye007, King's Quest 2, diablo alex Kidd in miracle world and miss pac-man my honorable mention was mario kart 64 and pip's top five was grand theft auto vice city the last of us the legend of zelda linked to the past final fantasy II, and miss pac-man at number one as well as an honorable mention of arkham asylum real quick just kind of getting that stuff out of the way and we're off and running so would you would you like to go first or would you like me to go first tonight
1: so I will go first only because I want you to go last and I, I think that's more appropriate when I pick the topic because it'll be fun for me to to kind of see where you're going to end up so yeah I'll kind of kick things off with my number 10 so this one is probably the second oldest I don't know actually as I'm looking through my notes this game is the oldest one that's on my list This was probably the first game that I ever played for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, and it is Super Mario World from 1990. Uh, This was a fantastic first entry into the new 16-bit system. You know, it was this typical Mario-style 2D side-scrolling game that let the user explore so many different worlds, like this giant map, more so than ever before. Uh, It introduced us to Yoshi, which was the first time you know Mario got to jump on Yoshi, and he got to kind of hop around and, and eat things. And it it was a completely new dynamic to this game, which was really fun. But I the thing that I remember the most about getting this game was the graphics and the music were just like nothing we had ever experienced before. Because again, this was one of the first games that I ever played on the 16-bit system, which was a significant improvement over the 8-bit Nintendo Entertainment System. And I remember wanting this game so bad when I was in high school or approaching, I think this is when I was in high school and to the point where I was like having dreams about it. Like, you know, every other night I was just so excited and couldn't imagine how amazing this was going to be. And I think I ended up getting a Super Nintendo that Christmas and it, it didn't disappoint in any way. There's no relevant story to speak of. I mean, it's a Mario game, right? The princess gets captured and. Mario has to go rescue her from Bowser. So, you know, those games are pretty much all the same. But I tried to look up the games on my list on IGN's website uh, because IGN did a top 100 list a while back. And this game actually ended up uh, number two on this list out of the 100 games, which, much like our list, spanned pretty much every console, any time period. Uh, this was their number two game of all time, Super Mario World from the Super Nintendo Entertainment System.
0: Wow, that's I. Uh, I wish I would have. I'll have to pull up that list and see. I, I can't imagine any of my games will be on there. But that's that's really cool. And it, it's funny. So I was. I I believe we talked about it on the previous podcast. I wasn't a Nintendo guy. I I had. I was a Sega, you know, PlayStation guy. That being said, if there's one Nintendo game that I probably played more than any other it's this one Um, okay yeah I I don't know that I ever beat it I don't know that I knew all the cheat codes and the and the warps and this that and the other thing but there was something about this game that was just so much more enjoyable to me than any of the other Mario you know any of the other games and I and I really can't put my finger on what it was and I probably only played the first, I don't know, dozen levels or whatever. And I would just play those over and over and over again. You know, because again, I'd, I'd go over to somebody's house and they would have it. And I'd, you know, I'd, I'd play it for a few minutes. And, but yeah, it, it's just, a, it's an amazing game. And I and I would imagine it holds up probably really, really well. I would have, yeah. it's been a while since I've revisited it.
1: Yeah. If you like the more traditional uh, side-scrolling games like that, this game absolutely does hold up. It It had really great level design. And again, the music was great. It, it definitely graduated from Super Mario 3, which was the last Mario game, uh, or I should say the previous Mario game to this this particular one. And they really did a great job putting new and interesting worlds together that, that kept everything really, really fun and fresh. So yeah, fantastic game. But that being said, hey, give me your number 10.
0: My number 10 is by far and away the most recent game on my list. Mm. I I think I'm going to have a much older list than you will. (laughs) (laughs) By far and away, this is the newest game on my list. It's a 2015. It's actually a mobile game that I still play to this day. And it is Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Um, Nice. This is one of those games... That I started playing, I think within the week it was released. I think it was released around November, late November in 2015. And this is one of these kind of turn-based mobile games. There's a a zillion and one clones of them these days. But you know, you go, you collect characters, you collect character shards, you collect Armor, you collect different ability points and those kind of things. And I think that one of the things, in fact, I know one of the things that has kept me in this game is the fact that there's so many different things to collect. I come at this game from the collector's point of view. I've always been kind of a completionist, whether it was comic books or baseball cards or, or what, or even video games. Right? I, I, yeah. I rarely, in fact, I would even avoid video games because I knew that I couldn't put the time into them that it would require to beat the game. I think uh, one of the games you you talked about on your on our last podcast was uh, the Grand Theft Auto stuff. I actually shied away from those games because I knew I, I wouldn't be able to rest until I got hundred percent on all missions and those kind of things. And so th- that's what has kind of kept me going on this game. There's several different game modes. There's an arena where you can battle against, you know, other players. There's kind of a, there's no real story mode in this one, but they've got guilds where you can work with other players. They've got battles, they've got wars, all kinds of stuff. It's gone through some ups and downs. If you play these mobile games long enough, you will start to see where the cash grabs come in. I, I don't pay to play this game, you can. Basically what you're paying for in these types of games is you're either paying for gear or you're paying to speed up the game so that you can play more often. I don't do that, so this this kind of becomes one of those games that you know I'll check it in the morning, I'll check it at lunch and I'll check it before I go to bed and that's kind of my day. Sounds kind of boring, but it's a game that I've been playing now for like eight years, and I still love it to this day.
1: That's crazy. I remember, because I played this game too, and I remember when I was playing it, you were you were deep into it and and way further ahead of it than I was. And I ended up quitting just because, like many of those mobile games that are really fun, the grind is just... It's overwhelming sometimes. And yeah, it's a great, it's what I like to call a great toilet game. It's a great shitter game, right? Yeah. You got to go, go take a shit that you, you load this game up, you play it for five or 10 minutes and kind of move things along. And then you can just kind of go about your day. It's, it's not one that, you know, a lot of the video games on my list are the ones that you sit down and you actually play for like two hours at a time because they have such in-depth and involved storylines that you kind of have to do that to get any kind of real value out of them. This is more arcadey, if you will, and that it's sort of a quick hit. You can sit down, play it for five minutes, and then put it back down and kind of pick it back up. But that that game was super fun. If you're a Star Wars fan, I don't know that you could find a game that has more of the Star Wars universe brought into this, this world. It's crazy from the stuff that is canon to the stuff that probably is no longer canon. I mean, it's got all of these characters that you can use and there's a ton of strategy behind all the battles and, and everything. And it's, it, it was a really, really fun game. I can only imagine where I would be right now if I had stuck with that game and I can't even imagine where you are. And and just a little side note, I, this is really funny because I think we were in the same, weren't we in the same like guild or whatever it was called? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the guild got busted (laughs) because there was somebody in the guild who actually worked for the company and uh, he started giving away free shit to us, and and he got busted for that, and that was really awesome because we got super powerful characters, and then we got them all ripped out, and uh, somebody got suspended. I don't remember the, all the details, but that was uh, that, that was a really interesting sort of experience of that game. But I agree, that, that's fantastic. That's a really great pick.
0: All right, sir, what uh, what do you got for your numbers? What is it? Nine.
1: All right, so my number nine is probably, it's not the newest game, but it's another pretty new game on my list, and this is a game that really, in my opinion, is the flagship game for this particular platform. This is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for the Nintendo Switch. It came out in 2017, and what really makes this game special, it's a it's a really immersive open world 3D adventure where you know you get to collect gear and solve puzzles and scale the highest mountains and, and glide down them afterwards. And it's it's very, very non-linear, but it's still really engaging, which is a a compliment that I can't give a lot of games. I, I think I tend to prefer the games that are a little bit more linear with minimal side quests just because. I like to really understand the story and I don't have enough discipline to stick with it. So if it kind of makes me stick with it, then I tend to stay more engaged. But there are games like Fallout or some of the just the complete open world games where you can just go anywhere and do anything. I actually get bored with really quick because I really want to know the story. I want to know what they want to tell me about this. And The Legend of Zelda did such an amazing job of balancing both of those. The Breath of the Wild game. There's so many Easter eggs or so many dungeons and weapons and a very interesting system of, you know, getting weapons and then improving them and then they break after a while and so much exploration. And it's just, it's a crazy, awesome game. It's super fun. And the switch is the perfect console for that game to be on. and, And if I'm going back to the IGN list that I referred to earlier, this is actually the number one game on their top 100 list. It received virtually perfect scores from pretty much every game review site that ever came out and may in fact be the best Nintendo game that has ever been created. I still like uh, a couple other ones a little bit more than this, but man, when I played through it, it was, it was just an incredible experience.
0: Wow. That, that's awesome. I, um, I don't, again, I don't have a switch, so I've never played this game. In fact, my, my, um, this is going to blow your mind. my, experience with any of the zelda games is really really minimal because again i didn't have a nintendo and even when i would go over to somebody's house that had a nintendo the zelda games were not the ones that you would just kind of pick up and start playing right it because you needed you really did need to kind of invest that time you know and 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 kind of sit with it and and work your way through it that being said i you know i'm i'm very familiar with that with those worlds I didn't realize it was that good. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize it was, would be to the top of the IGN list. That's interesting. I might, uh, my wife will kill me, but I might have to buy a switch and and, uh, and, try, and try that one.
1: Hey, if one of us can buy a new console out of this, I think that's a win for this podcast for sure. But yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the, the switch is such a, it's a great platform. It's a great, console and to be able to play this kind of game on it is really fun and yeah it's it's just it's fantastic it makes really good use of the wireless joy-con controllers and everything and it's sort of a hybrid between a standard console and the wii it really does a good job of using the the high points of that system to enhance that game so it's it's fantastic yeah that's awesome so tell me your number nine on your list, sir.
0: Nine, my number nine is, let me look at my years, is not the oldest game on my list, but it's close. It is a 1985 cabinet game. It is, I believe, one of the very first four-player cabinet games. This is a fantasy hack-and-slash known as gauntlet (laughs) i i with the exception of miss pac-man i might have pumped more quarters into gauntlet than any other arcade game in history if you're not familiar with it it's a top-down view dungeon crawl you can choose one of four characters you've got a wizard you've got a an archer a, um, like a barbarian, two? I think, yeah. and, a, and some a bar- sort of wizard, maybe. Yeah, again, it's just a hack and slash. There's very little skill to it other than pumping quarters into it to regrow, you know, regain your health. But but there's something about that game that just kind of caught my eye at the right age when I was growing up. and and I really have kind of loved that game ever since. There was a, uh, not too long ago, as part of the uh, the PlayStation Network, you can you know when you you can join and you get free games. They there actually was a a new updated version of Gauntlet on the that was one of the free games one month, which was was brought back brought brought back a lot of really good memories. I I just I I can't really say enough about you know it you know it's an old school kind of eight bit or sixteen bit cabinet game, but I just every time I if I do run across it these days. I always have to stop and play for half an hour so I love it.
1: Yeah I think that's a great choice that game yeah the top down aspect of it is really interesting because I don't feel like we played a lot of games like that before uh, but it it was super fun and one that I feel like can only truly be enjoyed as a multiplayer experience you know like yes. a single player uh, it's just not as fun it doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't translate as well. So I would say that requires friends to be there in order to have fun, but that's, yeah, that's a really solid game. I like that game. All right. What,
0: sir, do you have for your number eight?
1: My number eight is another new ish kind of game. And this is actually a sequel of my honorable mention from my top five list. This is Batman's Arkham Knight, which came out for the PlayStation four back in 2015 this is the fourth game in the series following Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Origins. This is uh, yeah, basically a very similar style to the previous one that I mentioned. It's a third-person detective melee combat styled game uh, that's just completely entrenched into the lore of Gotham City. It features the voice talents of Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill as the Joker, which is Is just so much fun. Like I can't even uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, obviously famous for their their voice acting in the animated series, but they bring a much different dimension to this game. It's so much darker and, and so much more interesting. There are Easter eggs within Easter eggs in this game, and it's just so much fun. It introduces new fightable villains such as Firefly and Man Bat and Deathstroke and Killer Croc and even the Arkham Knight himself, which I won't go into because it's a, a big part of the story for anybody listening who may end up playing that game. The identity of the Arkham Knight is really one of the most fun things to uncover as you're playing that game. One of the my favorite parts about the whole thing, though, is that there were some dlc that included some skins that you could use uh from from the old school 60s batman so like if you wanted to dress your batman up as as adam west you could do that if you wanted to put him in 1989's michael keaton batman suit uh with the sort of the the black suit with the ovular yellow and black logo like you could do that and you could use the old tim burton Batmobile to drive around the city like it was really cool it had it had a lot of other skins from many other comic book based iterations of that character but it's just such a fun intriguing mystery is you know Batman tracks down the identity and the motive from the Ark of Night and uh, it's just it, it took everything that had come before that and definitely cranked it up to 11 and it's such a good game they have a sequel of sorts coming out for it pretty soon which will uh, which will not feature Batman himself, but will feature uh, the cast of characters around him like Nightwing and Robin and Batgirl and uh, Red Hood, I think, is one of them. Mm-hmm. So very similar styled game without Batman in it. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, there's a reason for that at the end of this Arkham Knight game. And it's just, it's fantastic. And I, I can't wait to play the next one.
0: That's awesome. So two questions about the Arkham series, because you've got... You had one on your honorable mention and you've got this one here. So you clearly love the series and you're a a connoisseur of the series. So two questions. One is, do they, do they build upon one another? So meaning do I need to play this, the previous ones before I play a subsequent one to really get the most enjoyment out of it. And then the, the second question would be what sort of a time commitment am I looking at if I want to sit down and play, you know and, and play it the way that I would play it meaning I have to beat every single thing I have to do 100%.
1: Yeah, well so those are good questions. So the answer to your first question is yeah, if if you're interested in getting involved in these games, I would start at the beginning and that is Arkham Asylum. And that game, much like the others, is it's very similar to the you know, the common types of games like this these days where there is a there's a main quest and there's a lot of side quests so if you want to open up everything it's gonna take time for sure but it's also one of those games you can pick up and put down you know whenever you want to and it's pretty easy to get back into the groove of everything but I would say you know it, it's gonna take a significant amount of time to get through each game but it's definitely worth it and I would say I can't I haven't looked lately but last time I checked you can buy all three actually I think you can buy all the games on the PlayStation Network as a bundle for a really reasonable price, like, you know, like, I don't know, 40 or 50 bucks, maybe for four, for, well, so let me, let me take a step back. So Arkham origins is not, that was actually made by a different developer or different publisher, I think. So it, it, it's part of the series, but kind of not really, I never played it. I never, I haven't seen any bit of it. It doesn't really follow the same storyline. So really you've only got three games you need to worry about. If you want to get into this series, Arkham asylum, the sequel Arkham city, skip the origins one and go right to Arkham Knight. And they do build on each other because there are key character moments that won't make sense. If you go right to the PS4 version of that, but again, you can, these games are all old enough that you can get them on the cheap and play through them at your, uh, at your leisure. And it's a hundred percent worth it. It is. They are so much fun. And someone like you, especially, I know that you were a comic fan and and I know that you love Batman. It gets so deep into the Batman universe. It's crazy. And, and again, so many Easter eggs, so many fun things to just discover on your own that it's, it's worth the time to go through all this stuff.
0: So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say something that's really going to like bum you out and piss you off at the same time. I'm go- I'm sitting here and I'm going through my, my PlayStation receipts, right? So Back in February of 2017, I bought something off PlayStation called Batman Return to Arkham, which includes the original two games. And I have never played them.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> that's,
0: that's terrible. So I guess the good news is I have them. and I Yeah, can go, and you, I
1: can, you go, can at least start the series. Them. No, nah, yeah. ain't so, nothing wrong with that. I hope you didn't pay too much for them because you can probably get the three games cheaper from what you paid. I, for well, the two, I pro- Yeah,
0: I probably could. But um, I, I, it's, I'm pretty sure now that now they think about it, I'm pretty sure my oldest son played them. So it's not like I bought them and, and nobody played them. So I,
1: I think if if, you know, like I know you don't spend as much time playing video games as I do these days. But I think that if you're ever interested in sitting down and just investing yourself into a storyline, you know, between your millions of baseball games and stuff that I know you've got to deal with. Yeah. This is, this is the one o- on my list, on your list, anything, I would put this above and beyond everything else that you have. I would prioritize this as number one, get into this series. Cause I think that you will love it. Okay, cool. let
0: well, uh, that's awesome. That's, that excites me because that's, especially since I already own it. So that's something that I, would. <laughs> there you go. You
1: have no excuse, like absolutely none. <laughs> right practically begging you but that being said what is your number 8
0: my number 8 okay so th- this this is going to come this is back at a time when i actually had uh, i had time to sit down and invest this is a 1995 pc game developed by blizzard entertainment and it is warcraft 2 tides of darkness this game is is one of those kind of real-time strategy computer games. There is a zillion and one, I won't call them clones, but games that came after this, Command and Conquer, Civilization, Age of Empires, and then Starcraft is probably the one that is probably more well-known than even Warcraft. This is a game where these real-time strategy games where basically you go around, you collect resources, you build buildings, you build units, and you go to war. This game in particular, I remember, I played this game a ton in college. And more specifically, the the kind of add-on to it, which was called Warcraft 2 Beyond the Dark Portal. And, and that particular add-on added just a couple more missions. But I, I remember I used to, again, I'm a completionist, so not only would I play through the campaign, but I would go out of my way to use up every single last resource on the board, on the entire map. So I would chop down every tree, mine every bit of ore, every bit of oil, every, I would build every ship I could. And and just, just cause, right. And I would leave, I would leave one little guy there from the, from the enemy and I would not kill him so that I could keep my game going until I literally, (laughs) until I literally, chop down every tree on every single board. I, I don't know why, but I just I loved playing this game that way. It was it was amazing. I spent wasted so much time on it, but it was great.
1: I'm thinking there's a fine line between completionism and OCD. I mean, you tell me.
0: <laughs> I think you're probably right.
1: <laughs> <I laughs> no, that's funny. Probably. That's that's a great choice because I remember that game. I remember you introducing me to that game. We lived uh, in North Lane at the time, if I remember correctly. And this is when we lived upstairs and we shared a bedroom and you had that computer. And I remember playing Warcraft on that computer. I, f- I thought that was Warcraft 3, but maybe it was Warcraft 2. And this was my first introduction into RTS, real-time strategy games. Yep. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. This is such a different dynamic. It's not just hack and slash, it's point and click. It's you have to kind of think about what you're going to do. You got to go mine this in order to build this. And then you take that thing that you built and you go and you destroy the enemy. And, and all the while you have to kind of be on your guard or else the enemy might destroy you. And, and it was just a really interesting different kind of approach to those kind of video games. And you mentioned Starcraft. I ended up buying that game. The Starcraft two actually is what it was a handful of years ago. And I did that for the sole purpose of sort of reliving that experience of having played, warcraft and and it was so much fun and this was really before it really got to be the world of warcraft like the online mmo stuff and and you know that doesn't interest me as much but warcraft is you know the the first one the second one and the third one are all games that i feel like are very replayable in so many ways and you can still download them for super cheap these days on a on a modern pc and play these games and and they're super fun so that's that's a really cool choice
0: and, and you know what? I also loved that the world that it was in, right? It was orcs and and wizards, and yeah, you know, very very kind of Lord of the Rings esque. I just, I, you know, I really enjoyed that world.
1: All right, hence so, your gauntlet obsession yes, as well, right? Ex-
0: exactly. There's exactly. a theme here. There is. There is. All right, sir. What do you got for number seven?
1: You know, this is hopefully kind of a cool transition. You talked about you know Warcraft two being one of the games that you know we played in college. And this next game for me was the epitome of college and playing games. And I was so scared that you were going to name drop this earlier. And I'm thinking you didn't for one of two reasons. Either A, you knew it might be on my list or B, it's on yours. And we just haven't gotten there yet. But in December of 1991, the greatest and, and probably the last greatest Nintendo game dropped. And that is Super Tech Mobile. It is such a fucking great game. It is. uh, I mean, I this was this game. I fell in love with it the minute I opened it and played it. I remember this like it was yesterday. It was Christmas time, 1991, and my parents had got me this game, and they let me open it on Christmas Eve. And I must have played it for four straight hours. Like it was amazing. This was. Bear in mind, for those of you listening, this is before the Madden games ever came out. So Tecmo Bowl was the first real quality football game that had ever come out for any system. And then this was, of course, the sequel. This was super tech Bowl. So this is the first game to actually incorporate seasons and playoffs and injuries and championships and all that stuff. And it was mind blowing. I mean, it just took my fandom of football. It took it to a new level and it was so much fun. My team of choice was the Buffalo Bills. They were, in my opinion, the best team on that game. Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and James Lofton and I mean Bruce Smith on the defense like they were just ferocious and it was it was great Uh, and I think honestly the last really great Nintendo game that was ever created I think that might have been it And, and and you know I mentioned the correlation to this in college this was a staple of my memories on Teeter Thompson five, our freshman year of college, because this was the one game that everybody knew everybody had, everybody loved and everybody played. And we would gather in one room and we would pick our teams and we would have a a super tech mobile tournament. And it would be so funny because inevitably somebody would want to play and the person that they had to play was at class and everybody was pissed off about it. And it's like, who's up on Tecmo was the big, uh, the big thing that was always, uh, you know, shot around our dorm floor, but it was so much fun. And it it, it is a special place in my heart for this game. Might've ended up on my top five if I'd have really thought that went through just for emotional reasons. But I'm playing this game on my phone right now called Retro Bowl, which is very, very much styled like Tecmo Bowl. Only it has a little bit of a different dynamic where you can be more of a general manager role and you can sign players and and improve them over time. But it's a very similar, you know, touchscreen-based version of Tecmo Bowl, which is really, really fun. So there's something very special about that format that really holds up and is very endearing, even gosh how many years later is it 31 years later at this point yeah. oh my god but w- what a game super tech mobile fantastic
0: Yeah, so, so the re- the reason I didn't mention it earlier it w- that is one of my honorable mentions okay. Super tech mobile was I, I, yeah it it was it was amazing and and again I wasn't a Nintendo guy but to your point and to your story I, I how many seasons of super tech mobile did we play? on oh, T5. So I mean, we would just go one after another after another. And you know, every single guy, every single team was spoken for. I remember very vividly one one season I had the New England Patriots which at that time was a terrible, you know, this is well, be you know, Tom Brady was in college still at the time. But I remember the running back was a guy by the name of Mosey Tutupu. And I will (laughs) never forget that name because he was my running back. And I also remember uh, you mentioned being pissed that somebody was at class when they were up. I remember there was one time when Chris Whistle was up to play and it was his turn and he was like no no we got to go i got to go to class and we basically hounded him into staying (laughs) and skipping his class so that he could play he could play his next he could play his next thing um i also remember and i can't remember who you were playing against but you were playing you had flipper wilson you were playing as the Rams.
1: Oh, yeah. I was trying to remember who I got stuck with. And you're right. It was the Rams.
0: You were playing, and I can't remember who you were playing, but you were by far the underdog. Like the Rams sucked in that game. And you were playing whoever was like, and it was, I don't know if it was the Super Bowl or a playoff game. And You caught a touchdown, and I remember you were egging whoever this was on, and you were going, "You call him Flipper," and he he called him Flipper, and he and you caught a touchdown, and whoever it was, I'm pretty sure either threw down the remote or slammed the door. I can't remember what it was, but they were so pissed at you, and it was just. (laughs) I can't, I don't remember who it was, but I just remember very vividly you were playing with the Rams and you were playing with Flipper Wilson.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I I do remember. I do remember Flipper. And I do remember because I was trying to think, what was the shitty team that I got stuck with? And I thought it was Tampa Bay at first. But no, you're right. It was the Rams. And I don't even remember. God, I don't remember who else was on that team. But now I got to go look it up. But it was it was so much fun. Man, that was such a good time. All right. So your your number seven, please.
0: My number seven is another game that you will remember very well, I would imagine, from our time at North Lane. This is a game, I'm pretty sure I bought this game maybe the day that I came, like after my parents dropped me off. And I, so it was probably one of the, I went, we went to the mall. This was called Hot Shots Golf. And I believe it was Hot Shots Golf 3. And so this was a game, it was a very, animated version of golf so there was no pro golfers there was nobody that you would know but it was you could kind of build up your golfer you could get new abilities it was a very cartoonish version of the game of golf but for whatever reason I went all in on that game and I just had so much fun playing it in in doing some research I didn't realize so now it's it was actually there was a this the name of the franchise was actually called everybody's golf which i had never realized that's that's what it was called in the in north america and so hot shots golf was what they called it when they released it for the playstation 2 at the time i just i can't really describe how much fun it was to play this game and i think it was because it wasn't a super hyper realistic version of golf. It was because exactly. it was a little bit cartoony. In fact, I remember they again they didn't have any actual like licensed names, but there was one guy in there that was clearly John Daly. It was one hundred percent. The graphics looked like him. He swung like him. That was the, that was the guy that you were looking to kind of unlock. You know, you would play and play and play, and then I can't even remember what you needed to do. Um, in fact, just before the podcast, I went downstairs, and I do still have my copy of Hot Shots Golf Three and Hot Shots Golf Four. So, oh wow,
1: nice! I, I might
0: have to, uh, might have to see if my PlayStation still works, and might have to. Hey, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe when you come here next month, we can, we can pop those in and see. Hey, hey,
1: how about that? That'd be good. Or maybe I'll bring some Tecmo Bowl or something, and <laughs> if we can go at it uh, circa 1991. But that, no, hey. that's a great choice. I. I do remember Hot Shots Golf. I remember it mostly. I think Hot Shots Golf 2 for the PlayStation Two because that was, I think, the first game I ever got on a PlayStation Two console. And I agree with you, like the fact that it wasn't hyper realistic; it was very animated and it was easy. It's just like click the button and then click it again to hit the hit the ball, but you have to, you know, factor in the wind and and the this, you know the the various uh, other elements. It, that is what made it really cool and really fun, and I think that each person had like sort of a special hit or something like that. There were, there were some very uh, over the top animated pieces of it, but it was a really fun game, and it it was very in- engaging. It was just really cool to play. All right, sir,
0: you are at where are you at? You're at number. You're at your number six. You're at your, your last one.
1: I am at my number six and I got to admit, I thought for a hot second there, you were going to go with world series baseball 94 and we were going to have to talk about Hector Fajardo, but uh, (laughs) I mean, what a game that was. How many times did we get drunk and come back and play world series baseball and listen to Jack O'Pierce? I mean,
0: all the time, all all the time. Yes. All the time. It was
1: like, yeah, that's probably the only reason I remember is because we did it so often so my number six is, and it's probably the newest game on my list, actually. And it's one that is going to see a sequel released in uh, November, which I'm very, very excited about. This came out 2018. This is God of War for the PlayStation 4. God of War is, God, one of the most consistently amazing games and series that has ever been created. It's a third-person action game it's got a really brilliant fighting system it's kind of hack and slash to be honest but they have a lot of different combinations of buttons and you have to kind of tailor that to the to the style of enemy that you're fighting but this is the eighth installment in the series i got hit to it via the playstation when the original god of war came out and then they had a second and a third one and then other versions came out on other platforms but this version is really the epitome of how great This game is. It it, it was really inspired by Norse mythology, which previous games were really based more on Greek mythology. So there was, you know, just a a quick sidetrack. The second God of War game featured the character Perseus. And Perseus, from my perspective, uh, I knew Perseus from one of my favorite movies growing up, which was the old Clash of the Titans movie. And Harry Hamlin, who played. Perseus in the movie, came back to voice Perseus in the God of War game, which was just really cool and a neat little Easter egg. But this new game is really based more in the world of Norse mythology. So this includes, you know, very familiar topics to what we see these days in, in the Marvel movies. So we've got the nine realms with Asgard and Jotunheim and Midgard and all of those. And, uh, you know, you'll see a cameo by Thor in this game. And it's it, it's just really cool. One of the neatest things about this game is that it's 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 sort of we'll say filmed. It's filmed as a one shot, so the game never breaks. The game is constant. It, it doesn't do cutscene. I mean, it has cutscenes, but. Every cutscene rolls into the next series of scenes. So, like, you know, like a, a one-shot in a movie is when the camera never stops, right? It follows the the characters around. This entire game is a one-shot game. And it's crazy how well it flows together. And once you start the game, you don't have any obnoxious load times, which is really, really an attractive quality about a game like this. It is. You know, somewhat linear, but there are a ton of side quests that you can go on. So it's really fun to kind of explore and, you know, look for all the different ways you can upgrade your armor and your weapons and things like that. Uh, It's got a really, really good score. It's done by a guy named Bear McCreary, I think, who worked on The Walking Dead, which I thought was really interesting. And it ranks at number 25 on IGN's top 100 list. But this game has a sequel called God of War Ragnarok that's coming out in November which will be a, a PS5 game specifically. And I did recently acquire a PS5, which I'm really excited about. And this will probably be the game to play on this system because it's going to take advantage of, you know, the high frame rates and and all of that. And I'm I, I, it's gonna be so much fun. But this game is fantastic, super engaging God of War for the PlayStation 4. So
0: I that actually is one of the few games on your list that I have played. I haven't played it extensively. I just remember and I don't I can't I can't recall like even if there was a specific name, but he had a specific weapon that, that it was like a it was a there was a chain attached to it, right? And he could throw it and use it as a stabbing weapon am I, am I remembering correctly?
1: Yeah, so in the first 3 games, it there were like swords that were attached to chains that were tied to his wrists that were sort of his okay. punishment like he was he i think they if memory serves and i could be wrong uh i think the god of war ares had punished him by by making him the god of war you know basically attaching these these weapons to his wrists and this in this new game he doesn't i think he gets them eventually but he does not start out with them he starts with an axe which is really cool because he just kind of chucks it around and uh, uses it to to do various sorts of melee combat, but the older games kind of started with these other weapons that are sort of tied to gotcha. him, and he he slings them back and forth. Think of it sort of like a whip, only a whip with a giant sword on the end. So it's it's very fantastical, but it, it really is so much fun.
0: Gotcha. No, that's a, that's an awesome pick. Okay, so we've we've come to my number six. Yes, and I, I again, this is this is another one. This is another PC game. It was uh, in 1993. It was released by a company called Maxis. It's another game that I played a ton when I was in college and it's called Sim City 2000.
1: Oh, wow. And that's a good one.
0: Si- yeah. So SimCity is kind of just what it sounds like. It's a, it's a city building simulation game. Basically you start with a completely blank slate a countryside or a a mountainside and you start building your city and so you are building out infrastructure you're building out roads you're building out power you're determining where residential sits next to industrial sits next to retail and those kind of things you're putting in airports and if you've got the appropriate topography of your land you might be able to put in Hydropower, you might be able to put in wind power and those kind of things. There's no real goal other than to grow your city and to keep your sims happy. So this is, uh, you know, obviously the predecessor of a lot of the sim games, which uh, in in the subsequent games, you're actually taking care of the people. At this one, though, you're taking care of the entire town. There was an original game just called Sim City Classic, which this was a... To say this was a leap forward is is not doing it justice. The graphics were better, the gameplay was better. The, this one built this one introduced the concept of scenarios. so you could actually unleash you know a fire on your town. You could unleash a, a Martian from outer space that would come down and do all sorts of damage and then you would have to you know recover from that and those kind of things. But this is just one of those games that I, for whatever reason, it just really kind of clicked with me. And I fell in love with it. There really was no way to beat this game. There wasn't a victory sequence other than there was a thing called, and I had to look it up. There was a thing called an Exodus. And so if you got to the year 2051 or later in the game, there was something called an arcology and arcology was essentially a city within a city. If you placed 300 of these arcologies they would all launch and they would all take off and basically leave and presumably to go into outer space and colonize other worlds. And that would basically reset you and you would be left with only what you had without the 300 arcology. So I did manage to get there once again, I'm a completionist, but this, I loved this game. It was, I spent so many hours and I never got bored with it, even though I was just like building a town.
1: So SimCity 2000. That's cool. That. That was a game that I definitely played. Uh, I I don't know if I got addicted to it, but man, I could totally understand how somebody gets addicted to it because there's just so much logic behind how how to build that perfect city. Right. And, And it's just it's. It was really addictive to try to, if you're a puzzle solver, if you're the kind of person who likes to pick things apart and understand how they work, that kind of game is really, really well suited for you. But yeah, that, that's a really interesting choice. I haven't uh, I haven't thought about those SimCity games for a long time, but but they were a lot of fun and, and super addictive for sure.
0: So it's time, you said you had a couple honorable mentions. I already mentioned one of mine, which was Super Tech Mobile. What, uh, what do you got?
1: My first one is Super Metroid which is the 1994 sequel to the NES classic, the original Metroid game. Super Metroid was really, it really took all the great aspects of the first game and enhanced them in a way that made this this universe so much fun. And, you know, we used, or I think I used the term Metroidvania in the previous podcast, and, you know, which is which is really a term that derived its name from this game, As a style of game where you basically have a very specific sized map, but you have to sort of go through it and and you can't access all the parts of all the map and you kind of have to revisit a lot of parts to be able to go back and, and open up different, uh, different levels and and weapons and all that kind of thing. And, and this game did such a really good job of that and it was creepy and it was weird. And it was just really fun and addictive because you can play that game a hundred times, but you'll never play it the same way twice because of how you can get from one point to the other. So that was my, uh, my first one. And my second one is the oldest game on the list and one that kind of sort of sits in my basement right now. It is 1982's Burger Time by Data East. That one will always hold a very special place in my heart. It's the only game on my list today that actually originated as a, an old school arcade game. And I, you know, I, there's no plot. There's nothing really that interesting to go into. It's this uh, little guy, I think his name is Peter pepper that runs around and tries to make hamburgers by walking over the the various pieces uh, all the while being chased by the various condiments that make it up. And I, I mean, I don't know how anybody pitches this game because that sentence that just came out of my mouth was like the dumbest thing that I've even ever heard. But it it was a really fun game. It's incredibly difficult. It's really tough, but it's got a special place in my heart. And it's one that if much like your gauntlet, if I ever end up at an arcade or a barcade, then I will make my way to the Burger Time Machine And I will see Ken's name at the top because Ken's name is always at the top of the damn Burger King high score list or Burger King, the Burger Time high score list. And I will always play that game until I knock Ken off his ass because that just, you know, that's my goal. But uh, yeah, so those are my two honorable mentions. Super Metroid for the Super NES and Burger Time from the old school arcade unit.
0: So yeah, I, uh, I we mentioned uh, Techno Super Bowl, so I won't I won't belabor that point. I, I will bring I will bring you two other ones though. So my first one will be a 1982 Atari 2600 game. Whoa! Um, yep, called Pitfall. Oh wow pitfall is in retrospect is is a really kind of boring side scroller i believe there are 255 screens in total that you can get through and you can i don't believe you can never beat it i think pitfall 2 was the first might have been the first Arc- uh, Atari artari game that you actually could beat but this one uh you follow pitfall harry and basically, you're going through the jungle. You're jumping over snakes and rocks and quicksand, and you're swinging on vines and and this, that, and the other thing. This one holds a special place in my heart. There was an Atari, must have been an Atari fan club or something, that I was a member of in the eighties, and there was a there was a contest where you could send in a picture of you with your high score and whoever won, you know, what, you know, you would win something. And I remember I played, you know, again, this is before there were, you couldn't save, you couldn't pause. You, there was none of that. You just had to go down and play. And I remember I, I was sitting in my basement and I must've played that game for three or four hours, which at the, you know, at the time was a long, was a long, long time, scrolling, left, jump, scrolling, left, doc girl, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember I uh, my mom took a picture of me and we sent it in. And of course, I never heard anything, but I was really, really happy with my high score. I was like, oh, I'm going to win. I'm you know, I'm going to make it. Um, so I got a, I got a special place in my heart, heart for for Pitfall and Pitfall Harry.
1: Yeah, Pitfall is a fantastic game. And I actually I mean, you can see this because we're on a video Zoom call right now or you can't really see it but it's in the background my guitar case has a uh, as a patch on it it's it's the pitfall explorers badge that so if you remember Activision had a promotion of some kind back in the day where if you you know took your picture next to a high score and you send it in they send you a patch where they, they would do it for all the Activision games and there is a uh, there's a pitfall one and i got it off of eBay i didn't earn it the right way i just bought it and it's it's glued onto the side of my guitar case as an homage to Pitfall Harry and some of my favorite Atari 2600 games. So that's that's a, such a great choice.
0: That's awesome. That now that you think about it, that, that must have been what I was trying to get was that patch. That
1: must have been I think it was. What I, was
0: what I was trying to go after. Yeah. And then my other one, then since Tecmo, uh, we already talked about, was a uh, PlayStation game. It's actually a 2002 game developed by io interactive and published by edios it was called hitman 2 silent assassin the hitman games i absolutely fell in love with and again kind of the same way that i played the warcraft games i didn't really play the hitman games the way they were intended as the name would suggest you are a hitman you have missions where you need to go around and kill your target. The idea though, in that it wasn't, it absolutely was not a hack and slash and it was not a, just a button smash. Like you had to be really deliberate in terms of how you went around and how you carried out your mission. Because if somebody caught you, somebody saw you, then the, you know, the cops would come and then you couldn't get away. You you kind of lost your mission. So I would do that, but I would take it one step further and I would kill literally everybody on the entire level, but I would do it in a stealthy way so that I never got caught, but I would kill every single character on every single level. But the Hitman games, there are several of them. There was two or three, maybe even more than that sequels after this, they they got to the point where... The, the scenarios just got really, really super elaborate. And I've actually, as I was doing some research for this podcast, I went and I watched some of the cut scenes and some of the death scenes. They're amazing. I would love to go back and start, start to play some of those games because I just have such fond memories of this particular entry into the series. They did actually make two, I think, movies of this the Hitman character. The first one starred Timothy Oliphant, believe it or not, as the Hitman, Agent 47. And then I think there's another one that they totally replaced the entire cast. But that's another one of those things that if you didn't play the game and enjoy the, the game, you probably wouldn't enjoy the movie. But I did. And so I did. So Hitman, Silent Assassin.
1: Yeah, that's a really good choice. I, I don't know if I played that one. I think I played Hitman 3 uh, on the PlayStation 4. And I I agree with you. Like the thing that I like the most about this game is that it's very opposite of a lot of the ones on my list. It's not hack and slash. It's not a button masher. It's something that makes you think through, you know, it puts you in a scenario, right? Like you get dropped in this level and you have to assassinate a certain person, but you've got to do it a certain way and you have to know which direction to go to get to this person and what obstacles to overcome and sometimes you have to poison them sometimes you have to electrocute them and it becomes like oh talk about a a completionist nightmare i mean there's so many different ways to do all of these things and those games are so much fun so i I love that choice that's a really good one
0: yeah so uh so at this point we're done we we made it through six through 10 and and as well as a couple honorable mentions i tell you what this podcast and and even the the previous one has taught me i need to find some more time in my days for some gaming i I just don't do it right now other than other than my one mobile game that was on this list i just i really don't play many video games these days
1: well it's it's probably not a bad thing i mean you like me are a a guy in your mid-40s and and you have a family and things to attend to so Yeah, I mean, it's probably best that you don't spend most of your time doing that. And I certainly don't spend most of my time doing that. But if my wife had a say in it, she would probably see a lot less of my doing that. But um, yeah, it's it's so much fun. And I think that if you do carve out the time, there is a world of games out there that you haven't even scratched the surface on that I think that you would get so enveloped in that it, it would be so much fun. It would be good to revisit this. And maybe a year and say, hey, you know, did you have a chance to play any of these games? And if you did, I feel like you and I have enough in common that you would you would appreciate the same things about some of these games that I did. For sure.
0: All right. Well, it's that time. It's time to wrap it up. You got any parting thoughts before we go or or, uh, we're going to put a ball on this
1: one? Well, here's what I'll say is that you're going to be up next. So you put me on the spot last time. You're the one that's going to pick the next topic. So. You know, choose wisely is all I can say that uh, okay. I'm excited to figure out where this goes from here. Uh, we, we talked about this in the last podcast, and I, I want to say it again, because I think it's definitely fair to assume that at some point we have Halloween on the horizon, not just the movie, but the season of Halloween. And you and I uh, are certainly known for being fans of that genre of film. And I'm sure our friends at Scare Tissue would appreciate it if we did some sort of topics surrounding that, because this is the time of year when I start watching a lot of scary movies. In fact, October 1 is when I start putting in a scary movie like every night and my wife gets so pissed off about it, but I'm like, sorry, this is this is the time of year. And I listen to, uh, season, right? you know, John Carpenter on Spotify, and, and I really kind of go all out. So I'm sure that we're going to have to come up with some Halloween themed content for some future episodes, including the review of the next Halloween movie, which we did talk about. And I, I'm excited to get to that as well as some other scary movies.
0: Yeah, for sure in kind of other exciting news we are less than a month from when you are coming to cleveland again which is yes. super exciting ah so it's I amazing am, uh,
1: and i'm pretty yes. sure we'll make an arrangement of some kind to do our second live in person podcast this time yes. in your house versus mine
0: yes and i promise i won't fall asleep <laughs> watching the royal rumble again
1: i don't believe you i don't believe you at all but it, it'll be it'll be worth it Either way.
0: All right. right. On that note, my name is Chewy. I've been joined by Mr. Kip. This has been the 411 from 406. I'll see you down the road, folks. Take
1: care. Adios.